Like steampunk, black speculative fiction, and comics, we've got the show for you. Tonight, we introduce you to Aisha Little, a local writer and editor based in Cincinnati, to talk about her work and this year's upcoming Queen City Black Comics Day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. And with me tonight, our first guest for this show this evening is Aisha D. Little, who is a writer and editor based here in wonderful, sunny Cincinnati and the co-founder of the Midwest Black Speculative Fiction Alliance. The organization started in late 2014 and added the Queen City Black Comics Day to its events roster in summer of 2015. The day is meant to spotlight the contributions of Black indie comic creators throughout the Midwest, but especially Ohio. Aisha has also been a model character for our friend Jay's comic, Mest, and has been ghost hunting, which is what I'm also very interested to hear about, her, her adventure ghost hunting in the wilds of Hamilton, Ohio. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. I am interested in everything you do. So <laughs> <laughs> where do you want to start? I am really interested in the Midwest Black Speculative Fiction Alliance. Now, we had Cassandra Jones on earlier, who's also a writer in the group, and she had nothing but good things to say. So I am interested in your involvement with the group. Did you help start it? I did. So in 2014, I was reading an article about Rashida Phillips in mm. Philadelphia, and she runs a the Afrofuturist affair. It's like this big ball that's kind of like focused on Afrofuturism. And I was like, it would be so cool to like have something like that here in Cincinnati. So I reached out to some like-minded geeky people and asked them what they thought. And we all kind of got together and thought about a name and just went from there. We came up with the Midwest Black Speculative Fiction Alliance, which is a mouthful. It is. It encompasses kind of everything that we wanted to focus on. So we didn't want to just focus on sci-fi. I'm mm -hmm. heavily into steampunk and we didn't want it to just be like focused on steampunk. So kind of spec fic covers is an umbrella that covers uh, all of the genres that we wanted to uh, get into. Yeah, we... I know Christine and I heavily identify with that because we got cabinet of curiosities because we're like, we got to cover everything. We can't, we can't just be ghost stories. We can't just be urban legends. We got to do everything. So <laughs> speculative fiction, what is your favorite segment? Because that's a broad writing genre. Oh, gosh. I know um, you just said steampunk. Um, I, for me, I would probably say steampunk because before Midwest BSFA, I was already kind of into steampunk, the local steampunk scene for a couple of years. Um, and I always kind of wanted to get outside of the like either American Wild West or like Victorian England because I'm like, I'm black, where am I fitting in in those particular genres? I know that yeah. there were, of course, black cowboys and I just didn't want to deal with the like kind of 
colonialism and expansion. There's a lot of baggage when you talk about either one of those topics. (laughs) There's a lot. Do you want to touch those? (laughs) So my thought was like, well, how do I incorporate kind of like African um, history, like a real African history to pull in some of that narrative because steampunk is essentially the victorian science fiction but the victorian period happened everywhere so what does steampunk look like in countries that are predominantly black what does it look like in countries that are you know predominantly asian like what do what would it look like in those types of settings and what kinds of stories could you come up with in those types of settings Mm -hmm. So for me, probably costume wise, event wise, steampunk is like my, my go-to locally. Um, And then I think that Afrofuturism is like just a really kind of interesting, mind expanding genre to focus on. Octavia Mm -hmm. Butler is like the best, was the best thing ever. I'm just... I just love all of her, all of her works and kind of fell in love with her when I was in, in grad school. And yeah, it just kind of blew my mind to the possibilities of the types of writing that's out there. Oh, yeah. I I think uh, Butler needs to be put into curriculums more, especially in like high school and maybe even middle school. Like, I'm honestly a fantasy writer but my husband is a huge sci-fi lover to the point that our son's nickname is sci-fi so (laughs) but I was like when Cassandra was on and I was learning about all these writers I mean Douglas Adams was somebody I only ran into when I was in college I am going to get so much hate comments for that but Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett but yes they're two white British dudes but I didn't learn about them until college. But I think all of these sci-fi writers and speculative fiction writers should be added to the curriculum, especially Butler and all of her peer writers earlier in just academia. So we get a broader, better spectrum of writers and where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That was a soapbox. But yeah, I didn't discover her until graduate school. It wasn't even undergrad, undergrad. It was graduate, yeah. a graduate level class that I was taking where we read Parable of the Sower. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what is this? And how do I get more of this? Because she mm-hmm. is writing about, she's extrapolating from where we are into the future of if we keep going down the path that we're going what things will look like also she has a character who like I could see myself being that character when I was that character's age right so it was very much like something that I could I could relate to so I just like dove head first into a lot of her a lot of her work but terrible of the sower that's just my absolute favorite 
it was supposed to be a trilogy and she was like mm. researching it and writing and doing like preliminary research from what I understand when she passed away. So, oh wow, you know, you never get that full trilogy, but Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talents, amazing work. Yeah. And so many people can come up behind her kind of and take that mantle and go. Yeah. And I'm starting to see in media a lot more of that Afro speculative fiction influencing like things like Black Mirror, definitely a little thing we all know as Black Panther the movie. Like <laughs> that little thing. And when you when you mentioned the steampunk Victorian, I think the saying used to be the sun never set on the British Empire during the Victorian time. Yeah. And Killmonger says that in Black Panther but he takes this wonderful different angle with it. So that's why I was like, hey, yeah, that works. That worked really well yeah. in that way. Yeah. But there's a steampunk symposium that's here in Cincinnati, isn't there? Yes. So the symposium typically happens in spring, so March, April timeframe. Um, that's actually, let me see. I got into steampunk in 2000, 2012, kind of. I was writing a story for um, for an outlet about kind of cosplay. And I used steampunk to talk about the difference between, you know, the different kinds of dressing up you can do. So you've got your mm -hmm. cosplay where you're dressing up like already established characters. You've got things like steampunk where you're kind of creating your own characters. And I went to a salon uh, when they used to have the monthly salons at Arnold's downtown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw the costumes and what have you, and the, especially the corsets. And I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. <laughs> this can be my thing. So I, um, it took me a little while, but like, that, so that was the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, I started going to salons dressed up and, in 2013, Ooh. I went to my first symposium. Um, and that's just like three days of just having fun, dressed up, talking about various topics. Uh, I met Diana Foe, who is uh, based in New York and is a huge proponent of, of steampunk and multiculturalism in steampunk. So mm -hmm. she kind of sparked a lot of ideas for me as far as what can steampunk look like in an at what would steampunk look like in an African country? Yeah. And just anywhere around the world. Anywhere. Just, yeah. Because so much of it gets missed. It's not all European. That's old. <laughs> Let's do something new. When I anyway. first when I first got into steampunk, I I asked in a Facebook group like this doesn't have anything to do with slavery, right? And you could feel the digital pearl clutching. Like, no, oh my God, why would you say that? It's like you're setting your hobby in a, a time period that is like atrocious for like 99.5% of people. Mm -hmm. hmm. I feel like I have the right to ask this question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that was a legit question to ask. You're just like, is this, what are, what are we representing here? Like, where are we going? Or what I'm getting myself into before I actually fully go out and 
establish a whole wardrobe. I want to know what exactly this thing is about. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that leads us to the Queen City Black Comics Day, which I was turned on to by Aziza, who is one of the writers for the Cabinet of Curiosities this, this round. And uh, I'm very curious about this and how we can kind of amplify to let know let other people know about this wonderful event. So Queen City Black Comics Day uh, was a part of our first year of programming through Midwest BSFA. Um, we were just trying to, everyone in the group is like has full-time jobs. So we were just trying to figure out how many times a year can we do like some event that would be interesting to, you know, the larger kind of black geek community. Uh, and of course, comics came up mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of people enjoy comics, but do they know what kind of indie comics are happening? Mm -hmm. um, so we tried to pull together several comic book creators, local, um, some, there was actually one person from Cleveland, there was someone from Michigan, uh, just to have them do kind of like a mini vendor hall almost. Mm -hmm. So you get seven or eight people. We had a, uh, we had a cosplayer there and it was mainly to be able to show like the kids and their parents who attend like you can, this is a viable career option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, I think when I when I was interviewed for City Beat about the initial uh, day that we had, I said, you can't be what you can't see. So to have a, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old kid who's coming in and they see someone who looks like them who is creating comic books, whatever the topic may be. Mm -hmm. That's just adding to the mix of them thinking about what the possibility of their futures. Yeah, it's, it's adding to the representation that is dearly needed in the comic <laughs> book community. Like, obviously, I can't relate because I am a ghost. But I do relate because I get a lot of young girls who are interested in writing. And I'm wondering if Christina's had this too when she's done book fairs. Finding someone, and I don't know if you know what I do. I'm a writer and a comic book creator and I run my own little studio. And I run into so many aspiring artists and writers who are female, who see no representation at all at these comic events. Mm -hmm. No shade towards any of like Cincinnati Comic Expo, Rhode Island Comic Fair, whatever, but there just isn't. But in the indie community, we got a large and diverse group working on stuff. Definitely. And it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, anywhere you look, you can find the rep that representation. It's just, can you get them to those bigger events? Like mm -hmm. there are barriers that keep them from attending those events. If you've got to pay for a table, how much is that table going to cost you? Exactly. You know, it's just like all of these things that if you are indie, it's 
being able to kind of like have a smaller event where everyone there is doing what you're doing and they look like you it's just a nice it's just a nice bonus to have mm-hmm. you're not necessarily yeah. having to deal with um people passing you by because you're because you're there you know just mm-hmm. like why are you why are you here mm-hmm. what are you, or i don't know it's to me i try to I try to support everyone who's doing something because it takes so much effort and it takes so much time. And just like the sheer, I don't know, I'm going to sound like an old person if I say gumption to like <laughs> pull that off, to be able to pull yeah. that off. And a part of Midwest BSFA, like our existence is to get more people interested in Black creators, especially like indie creators because they can have kickstarter campaigns and other crowdfunding campaigns going on that you know you may not hear about because they don't have the same type of audience that someone else who is more mainstream would have yeah and in cincinnati you have to dig so hard anyway to find our arts like the art other artistic people i know when i moved here oh goodness now it would be like 10 years ago but there was no comics group of any sort. It was all, everyone was just out in their own homes because, you know, we'd never leave our houses anyway. <laughs> like, pandemic or no, we just never leave. And um, it was, there was no group. I'm not sure Christina can probably tell me when the illustrators group started meeting, but it's taken a lot of organization just from the grassroots effort to get any of these groups up and going. Yeah, And now we really should be just helping each other try to grow and say, there's a comics community here. If you're black, there's a comics community here of like-minded people that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of. Yeah. I think, I think specifically with like geeky things, people feel like, well, I'm the only one who's doing this thing. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm so alone in what I'm doing. And it's like, but you're not you are there are plenty of people who are doing what you're doing it's just are you are you all in the right in the same circles to like run across one another and that kind of that's kind of where the breakdown I think happens there are a lot of silos where people are just operating with their small little clique of people and they may not necessarily know what's going on outside of that outside of that group so I like to think of I like to think of Midwest BSFA as kind of like we're trying to know what all the weird black people are doing in Cincinnati (laughs) so that we can say oh hey you know so and so you should meet so and so and maybe something can come out of that yeah yeah that's pretty much what it is just tapping into like the weird black people network it may be strong and enormous in number. Um, speaking of conventions, do you have, I know you're doing the event, it's June 26th, and this yes. one is Facebook Live. Yes. So, and we'll have links to it in our show notes as well as to the Midwest um, BSFA. And um, I know Aziza is going to be speaking. Whom 
else is speaking during the June 26th event? So there is a local nerdcore rapper named Juice Lee, who I know him through um, music and through a podcast that he used to do with a couple of his friends. Um, he just started his comic book series called Scrap, which he's really big into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and like um, mixed martial arts. And so he made this comic book about this black female um, MMA fighter, basically. Uh, and he just released the second issue of it uh, last month, I believe. Oh, that's um, exciting. Also, Victor Dandridge will be on the panel. He is based in Columbus. And Victor, oh gosh, he does a lot. <laughs> he does a lot, like, all over the place. So he's got several projects going right now, but he also um, attends conventions like all over the country. Um, he's been a moderator on a panel that I was on last year for uh, MechaCon, which is based, is a kind of black indie comic book convention based in Detroit. Um, okay. I've also seen him at Jim City Comic Con. Uh, oh gosh, what's the one in Columbus? Uh, um, there's <laughs> Wizard. There's Wizard World Wizard and World. there's Ohio Con and then Matsuri Con and Matsuri Con. Yeah. Is it Cross Crossroads Columbus? Or yeah, our Cartoon Crossroads Columbus. Yes. I think it's I think it's that one. Thank um, you, Christina, thank in the you. shadows <laughs> from the chat. Um, we need like a little cat icon to come up, like Bob, her Siamese cat, a little animation <laughs> of it. Just giving us our show notes. Be cute. So yeah, I just wanted to get some Ohio-based people together and just some people who are just starting out and some people who are like who've been in the business for a while and just kind of ask them like how are you feeling what's what's most difficult right now about about being creative like how are you how have you been getting getting your creative juices going like in a pandemic it's mm -hmm. it's been not great for I would say creative people have had a tough time trying to pull together some some kind of incentive to like be creative yes but, um yeah I burnout is to, real <laughs> i just wanted to be able to continue our our queen city black comics day event and do it safely and try to chat with some people that we would normally have together so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i like that and I know I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be listening in because I just love getting insight from everywhere and with new creators too. And also we have the Cincinnati Comics Group ourselves, which please let everyone know in Queen City Black Comics Day that they are more than welcome to join our Cincinnati Comics Group, which usually we meet vir virtually now on the second Tuesday of every month. We actually have a few new people, but we always would love more. 
And we just review everyone, like we'll bring stuff that we're working on. It works a lot like Christina's illustrators group. We'll bring like work that we're like scripts or illustrations and say, what can I do better? Does this look weird? Should the eye and the ear be three centimeters apart? Does this work? Stuff like that. So, and just talk about nerdy things in general. So. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Did not mean to pimp that, but (laughs) here we are. It's just like. That's a pretty regular, you said every Tuesday? Uh, no, every second Tuesday every of the month. second Tuesday of the month. Okay. Yes. That's still Sorry. Pretty, pretty regular. You know, we're with Midwest BSFA, when we were doing in-person events, we were mostly doing them like maybe mm-hmm. once or twice a quarter. You oh, know, yeah. it, it takes a lot to pull off an event from your getting your venue and you know, getting your advertising together and just like making sure as many people know as, as possible. And some of those have yeah. been, some of those have been pretty successful and some of them have been kind of like, dun, 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 <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those. <laughs> We're just sitting there. So we, ours are less drink and draws. So we would meet at, um, um, oh no, Cincinnati Brew House. There we go on McMillan Street. And yeah, there'd be times where I'd just be sitting there with my beer, staring at my sketchbook and be like, anyone going to show up here? Mm. <laughs> okay. It's just me and the beer and my tears. Yeah. And I, I, so in undergrad, I was on the uh, residence live staff and I did a lot of programming for like my floor. Um, at one point I had a residence live gig where I was programming for the whole like residence hall. Mm-hmm. And so pretty early on, I got used to people, like not a ton of people showing up to stuff. So my motto now is kind of like, for those who did show up, did you have fun? Okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good motto to go with. Now, speaking I, I, about I calling. I would yeah. never do anything if I got too wrapped up in, well, there aren't a hundred people here. Yeah. I don't feel like this is successful. Yeah. Like, it's Do you just, really want a hundred people there? It's just fun <laughs> stuff. It's just fun stuff. And if the people just, who showed up had fun, that's good enough for me. And that's what matters. So talking about summoning people to show up, I heard you've gone ghost hunting. And also that would have been a good segue to get Christina and Jen back on the show. <laughs> I'm curious about this ghost hunting though. I, just happened upon a local ghost hunting group and I thought if I did like some kind of first person I'm following them around on a on a hunt I think this would be fun yeah did not think that through thoroughly enough because I (laughs) am a scary cat (laughs) oh no this was in 2008 when you wrote the article? Yes. This was so this was the peak of paranormal TV, reality yeah. TV on like sci-fi and discovery yeah. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I am, I like horror. I like true crime. I like things of that nature, but I also will get just like very, very frightened. I have to be somewhere where I can turn whatever is happening, turn it off as quickly as possible are you like me 
who likes suspense stuff, but if there's body horror, you're like, no, oh, no, 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 no body horror. No, we've no, got absolutely not. None. Got to pass no. by that with a 10 mm. second. Let's go. Let's go. Keep going. <laughs> can't, can't do that though. But um, I just thought that that would be an interesting piece to put together. And I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was trying to figure out kind of like, well, is are we gonna, is there gonna be anything? Is anything gonna happen that I could like write about? Like how am That's I- That's the hundred dollar question. <laughs> like, am I gonna, am I gonna have some way to wrap this story up? Like what's gonna like, what's gonna happen? Cause I was already in the mode of like writing. Cause I had spent, I spent maybe a week with them. I would say maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um interviewing people um they went when they went out to the house I was there they were there for probably like five or six hours I was there the whole time um and so as I'm as I'm like taking notes and what have you I'm already in my head trying to put together the story like okay this would be a great intro okay I can put this information here the ending what am I gonna do about this ending and it was the last time that we went into the house, right, oh. right before midnight, be just as, you know, they're about to wrap up. Like, I guess, not, you know, we're not gonna, not gonna get anything good out of this. Oh, well, we'll discuss it when we meet next week. And mm -hmm. that was when we went into the bedroom one last time. And the person who I was with asked about kids and kids that was the trigger oh. right? so she starts asking about whoever's there like asking about their kids and that meter jumped and the other person was like what was that I just saw a shadow go past the window mm -hmm. so that's always super alarming just from a true crime perspective shadow going past window and you're like oh deal yeah so yes. so i'm sitting there like don't freak out don't freak out don't freak out i'm like rocking in the dark like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> like you are professional you're here to do a job you can't run out of here screaming like yes keep it under control keep it under wraps yes <laughs> So it was a week later, like, you know, they asked a few more questions, nothing else happened. They had someone from like the command center around the back kind of come around the front and see like is anyone out there just kind of like hanging around and maybe yeah. that was what caused the shadow. Um, you know, nothing else happened. So we pack everything, we leave. I meet with them a week later when they're going over all of the all of the recordings mm -hmm. and right at that moment where she starts asking about the kids where the meter jumps where the shadow passes on the recording you can hear it's my house it's a very yeah. like growly gruff voice that says it's my house and I'm like 
yeah, this is not what I thought I was getting myself into. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I mean, it ended up being, I ended up liking the story that I put together, but I was sincerely freaked out for a while after that. Like, yeah, because like, you got poked during that too. With me. Can you just stay yeah. where you are? Don't come with me. Yeah. I left my house not haunted. Thanks. <laughs> it, it makes life a lot more um i don't want to say smooth but relaxing when your house isn't haunted <laughs> but yeah you don't want any hitchhikers coming home with you because they man they're a pain but like listening reading your story and everything and you got poked somebody somebody poked you in the back during that investigation too it's kind of like is someone poking me or am I just like imagining this? Am I, is this sweat rolling down my back? Like what's going on? Yeah. It was very, very warm. And that was toward the, the beginning of the night. And I was kind of like, I, am I going to figure out a way to get out of this? Am mm -hmm. I going to stay here for the rest of the evening? Or am I just going to tell them like, Hey, I think I have everything that I need. I'm going to talk to you later. Like what I kind of, I managed to like calm myself down kind of like, you've got to see this through. You've got to see right. what happens. If anything happens, you just got to like, you've got to be here. This is yeah. your story. This is a first person narrative. You've got to like, you've got to do it. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you did. It's a good story. It, <laughs> it's you. like I said, um, I think before the show, it was very nostalgic reading through it. I'm like, oh, I miss going on investigations. Like I... they're always in random countryside houses. And you're just like, why? Why is it always like the Texas killing fields out here? Like, <laughs> why are you never in the free. city? Why is this out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere? Of course, there's the shed full of, of of axes and other murder weapons just dangling from the rafters of chainsaws. I love decorating my house in them. It's just why, why always the countryside? Anyway, yeah, it was just it reminded me a lot of investigations, and actually, that was a fairly active investigation. Just from your your article that I read, that was active. Most of them is people just sitting around for three to six hours in the dark, confessing to farting, because you have to every single sound that you've made, burping, farting, shifting in your seat. I, there's an F in that word. Um, I can go back and we, listen to the tapes like uh at 2140 yeah. that was just me passing gas sorry yes everyone. yes it's <laughs> like cat made a toot at 1245 like <laughs> you gotta account for that because it can sound ghostly um it depending on what kind of recording devices you're using it can sound really ghostly or like chairs if you're moving furniture you have to note it if you're right, like yeah. I always had a sketchbook, not sketchbook, man, wrong career. I always had a notebook and I was writing things down. So I had to always note when I was writing things down. So it didn't sound like something scratching on the walls, they but then just mention the like uh, pulling of like duct tape. So they were putting yeah. things that like taping things down. And then at one point there was like water running and someone was like, what? were you peeing 
Like, no, I was just getting water from the refrigerator. <laughs> but that's a legit thing, because if you accidentally put your voice recorder within earshot of the bathroom, you're hearing every investigator who's using the facilities. And uh, what no one wants to hear that, but sometimes bathrooms, actually, oftentimes bathrooms are haunted. So, oh, no. oh yes, it is a book I want to write is, is haunted bathrooms. Why? So, no. Yeah, like, I, don't it, want, I don't. I I had my feel of that type of thing with that story. I was good. Yeah, I uh, did not want to. It did not spark any interest in me to like join the group and want to do that, like every weekend or what have you. Like, no, yeah, you, you don't have a life if you do it every right weekend. Can, yeah, I can get off of this ride right now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you had a good ride. That was a good taste of what it's like. Uh, now, I'm going to summon the other two with my little Ouija board here. Christina and Jen, will you join our talking circle? We have about five minutes, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and th- this is a, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, do you have planned um, maybe one of the things I love about speculative fiction and science fiction in particular is they often will publish uh and science fiction is probably the only uh genre that does this uh short stories so have you thought about publishing a collection of short stories or short comics oh gosh i know that's a lot of work speaking as ken and i know editing an anthology um but you know with kickstarter now it seems like publishing's really been disrupted so have you thought about Mm -hmm. doing your own thing yeah, that's not something that we that we've talked about. I mean, it's I think it's an interesting concept. I just feel like our organization is so so small um, that I don't know if we could like hit the goal of doing a crowdfunding type of campaign like mm-hmm. that to be able to to do an anthology of some sort. Yeah, I feel I feel like. Although the crowdfunding campaigns, Kickstarter, what have you, have kind of leveled the playing field as far as who gets to who gets to publish, it's it's really been great being able to support so many different kind of indie creators um, and help them get their brands going. What things I, that I see that have I've supported that have become like kind of blockbusters, you know, and they were asking for like $5,000 on, on Kickstarter. They were asking for, you know, $10,000 on Kickstarter. Um, I think those are still very much, it's still very much about popularity. It's like, how big is your following to be able to support a crowdfunding campaign? And I just don't feel like we're big enough to do something like that it would have to be completely like funded I would have to know because I couldn't deal with the anxiety of being like and we got another ten dollars and we've still got like (laughs) fifty five hundred to go like I couldn't deal with the anxiety of that I would just be like okay here's five thousand (laughs) dollars we we're just gonna do it ourselves it is stressful there's a lot lie. of self cheerleading that yeah, like 31 days that you have something going. 
Yeah. I don't think I could handle it. No. I, I think this is a great organization, though. I mean, I have so many students. I love your message that you can make a living at this and, you know, uh, encouraging people to submit to, you know, a lot of times people are afraid to submit to art directors and to, I mean, speaking from an art, because you know, what I do is illustration, but and to editors. And, you know, I think that this is a great uh, way for people to see how you get published and that there is a path for everyone and um you know i definitely will suggest this to my illustration students you know i have so many students that want to do comics and do writing and that sort of thing i'm always telling them start somewhere yeah exactly exactly i I went to um i went to journalism school and yeah you from the first story that i wrote to the stories that i write now there is a major difference there's a a 20 almost 25 year difference from when i wrote my first story when i was a freshman in college to what i do right now but i had to start somewhere you you have to have you have to be able to like take the critique that's out to critique people like harshly it's just can you take the critique does the critique make sense is it a conversation like when i work with when i work when i'm working with writers when i'm editing things um it's a conversation it isn't me dictating like i cut this because it's stupid and you shouldn't have said that and it's not it's just hey here are the edits that I made. Do these make sense to you? Oh, that doesn't make sense to you. How would you say that? It's, you've got to be able to have a conversation with people. And, you know, while I am not an artist, I do consider like writing as a part of my, my art. Like I'm not drawing anything, but I, when I'm putting words together, when I'm putting stories together, um, I can get very attached to them. So I can imagine how someone who is drawing something, who's like creating a story, it can get really attached to it and may not want to take that kind of critique, but it's, it's a part of the business. It's a part, if anything that you are doing that requ- requires writing, editing, you know, artistry of any sort, some critique is a part of that, is a part of that business. Oh. Well, that, I agree. Really yeah, uh, yeah. On that note, I guess we're almost, we got you a little bit long, almost yeah. an hour here. So we, we chatted for a lot longer, but, uh, but yeah, we, we really, really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope you can come on again, actually, you know, yeah. as you do more with the, the, you know, as you have more events and stuff, feel free to come on. We want to really promote local creators as a segment. We haven't been able to do it every show, but we hope to do it as many shows as possible as part of, since we're doing the comic anthology and stuff, we want to promote other creators as well. Yeah. yeah well, we're very creative focused here. Inviting me. Yes. Really thank you for that. coming on. We should have you on to talk about steampunk and how to make it much more international and diverse. I would love that actually. Yeah. Can I talk about steampunk okay all right so for tonight we have a hometown haunt from jen a friend of the show so jen take it away all right this is from jen uh back when i was in college i rented a big house with five other roommates 
My best friend, Laura, had one of the upstairs bedrooms, which was always freezing cold, no matter what the weather was or how much we heated the house. We always joked that maybe someone died in there. One day, I picked up an old Ouija board at a thrift shop just because I thought it would be cool to have. At some point, a few of my roommates and I were sitting around bored, and someone suggested that we play with the Ouija board. We thought it would be funny, so why not? I never believed those things really worked because I just felt like people direct it to what they want it to say. But we asked a bunch of silly questions, and after a bit, Laura asked me about the house. Or Laura asked about the house. I don't remember her exact question, but not long after that, there was a knock on the front door. When we answered the door, there was this guy standing there that none of us knew. He said he used to live next door and asked us, do you want to know about your house? We all kind of freaked out a bit. Here we were asking the Ouija board about the house. And here was this random guy asking if we wanted to know about it. We invited him in and he proceeded to tell us about the family that lived there. He said that the oldest son had the upstairs bedroom at the front of the house. That was Laura's bedroom. Apparently, the son had killed himself in that room. It gave us chills, and Laura felt creeped out staying in that room for the rest of the time we lived there. And we never played with the Ouija board again. Oh, man. No. <laughs> no. That is oh, a, that is a really creepy house. Hell no, get off my porch. <laughs> Yeah, the, that 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 is the thing that creeps me out the most is just random dude coming up saying, "Hey, do you want to hear about your house?" That is no. such a weird. That is such. That's a happened to me before too. Has that happened to you before? What was your experience? So we need to do a pre- Ouija board episode. Yeah, we could. Um, so in our previous house here in Cincinnati, it is over a century old, and it was we knew about the backstory because i had looked it up because <laughs> that's what i do but one of the family members of not the people we had bought it from not from the estate we had bought it from but from the family that built the house back in 1908 they knocked on our door one day and was like hey can we come in and look at the house my grandfather helped build it and i i just looked at her and i'm like no <laughs> you're not coming in sorry but you can look around the house like outside but no you're not coming inside and uh so that would have been like inviting spirits in or something no it was just creepy it's a strange person trying to case my house there was just sudden red flags everywhere oh that's a good point i was just like no no and uh so yeah that that was so so her letting the neighbor in i'm just like okay sure tangent Mm -hmm. this Hmm. morning i woke myself up screaming who the fuck are you (gasps) i had a dream that i was in my grandfather's house and since he died i've been having this reoccurring dream that they had this completely separate house that was somehow hidden within the house so I had never seen it while he was alive, but we discovered it after he, he died. This is in the dream. This is not true. But in the dream, I go into the, up these dark stairs, very narrow staircase. And I turn to a room and there's a friend behind me and I open the door and there's a, a naked lady sitting facing the wall 
with really long red hair and her hair was you know doing that spidery thing like she was blowing in the wind or floating in the water and when i was saying who the fuck are you she was turning around and that's when i woke up Whoa. scared the crap <laughs> i haven't had a nightmare in a while wow yeah why why it's like oh am i think my grand in the dreams somebody was gonna shoot someone i think it's because i've been wa- watching too much true crime and I don't know. But that's a that's a weird story, though. Wow. Yeah, but I w- I actually woke myself up yelling. <laughs> Oops. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get those tarot readers in. Get get somebody to mm. yeah yeah do a Try to read. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yay. No, happy no, no, no. <laughs> happy sleeping. No. You can follow us on all of our social media as my voice cracks like I'm a teen. You can find us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course, you can send us your hometown haunt, weird history, spooky stories, creepy cryptids to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. And we do check those. And you're looking at the staff right here. It's just the three of us. So. With that said, stay curious, everyone, and